Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Hey guys. Welcome to ID Podcast. Thank you for joining us wherever you are listening from, whether it is 
on the beach, going for a nice stroll. It's where I like to listen to podcasts. In your car or pumping iron? Pumping iron. Sarah <laughs> loves to pump iron. We are happy to have you here. And you're in the right place if you want to improve your relationship, whether you're single, married, or dating. And you might have been married for 40 years. There's still stuff to learn. And today we got a lot of great information from Dr. Ali Benazir. And I got to pull up his bio here because he has quite the resume. Uh, Dr. Benazir is the author of four books, including The Tao of Dating, The Smart Woman's Guide to Being Absolutely Irresistible. And this book was the highest rating dating book on Amazon for four years. He holds an honor degree from Harvard, an MD from UC San Diego, and a M. Phil, I'm not sure what an M. Phil, Masters in Philosophy, maybe? Yeah. From Cambridge University. So quite the schooling as well. And he trains executive speakers in communication and has given three TED Talks. So that's really exciting too. So he is very eloquent in the way he talks and gives a ton of great information on the show where we zero in and talk about in short, the best way I could sum it up is how to get your shit together. <laughs> but he does so in not as blunt of a way as I, I might have just said. But really, from a personal spirituality perspective, in, in bringing that into the relationship, and then, or bringing that into dating. So we focus on both. And he really dives deep and in, in, in offers a unique perspective building a way of talking throughout the episode that I really enjoyed and and helped me just reframe my thinking as as I go into the relationship with Sarah. So definitely a a one of my favorite interviews that we've done and that's saying a lot coming up on 200 here uh, probably by the end of the year we'll be in the 200. So enjoy this episode, take some notes and listen to what Dr. Ali has to say. And as always, we appreciate you guys for listening, leaving reviews. We love those five-star reviews, sending us your questions or your interview topics. Uh, we love hearing from you guys, uh, and it just makes our job so much easier. So we hope you enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our Hood River Couples Retreat. Join us in Hood River, Oregon this summer, July 28th through August 2nd. The retreat is built to be the ultimate vacation for couples looking to have fun, try new things, and build a stronger relationship in paradise. We'll be doing activities like waterfall hikes, rafting, wine tastings, and so much more. For more information, visit our website at idopodcast.com slash hoodriver. Hi, Dr. Ali. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me. We've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. So this all started with me being an advisor at Harvard to undergrads and noticing, wow, these are such great kids. They have their act together in so many ways. And, you know, they're smart, they're obviously, you know, educated, 
and come from great families, and yet they couldn't find themselves a date, and they were swimming in date land. I mean, everybody's single in college. They all live with you. You have meals together three times a day. You have classes together. What is up with this? So I figured that there was a disconnect there between what people learn in school and certain simple social skills that lend themselves to a life of, say, happiness and fulfillment and having great relationships, which is a pretty big part of life. I'm working on this book on happiness right now, and the data that comes up over and over again is that the centerpiece of your whole life, the main driver of your overall health, happiness, and well-being is healthy relationships, especially your primary love relationships. So uh, as my background was in medicine and making people feel better and healthier and help people improve their lives, this was a natural segue into helping people with this most important aspect of their lives and figuring out ways of going about it such that it ends up in fulfillment uh, as opposed to just kind of bouncing around, hoping something works out or you know, going for the thing that seems tastiest, which if you did that uh, with your diet would make you really out of shape and, and, and overweight, right? If you just went for chocolate and cheesecake all day long, that wouldn't work. <laughs> and yet in relationships and dating, people are like, oh yeah, that tasty thing, that shiny object, I want that. Uh, so bringing a little bit of long-term thinking into the whole process in terms of, hey, what serves my happiness long in the long term and those uh, that of those around me? What serves my optimal growth and flourishing as a human being as opposed to some kind of immediate gratification thing? We love that story. So were you able to help those Harvard students or what? Yeah. So I, I did a little seminar uh, in a dorm room uh, one afternoon and uh, I did it initially for men and they responded very well and they immediately got results. In fact, everybody except for two people in that room uh, is married now. And I will take full credit for that, even though I had nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> and and then I you know, I wrote the books. I wrote The Dow Dating for Men and I wrote The Dow Dating, The Smart Woman's Guide to Being Absolutely Irresistible. And you know, it was the highest rated dating book on Amazon for four years. So I was, this means I was not run out of town, which is always a good sign if you write a book for women. And, you know, a lot of people seem to have been helped by it. I get letters, uh, which is super gratifying to hear that, Hey, you know, somebody snapped out of a bad relationship because she realized that she's worth more. Somebody decided to stop pursuing bad boys because she realized it wasn't good for her. So there's only so much good you can do just through words on a page. Uh, so, you know, people, yeah, I specialize in behavioral change and behavioral change is challenging. Even when somebody is in your presence and they pay you, it's still difficult to get somebody to change their behavior permanently. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, I put the information out there and hopefully it does some good. Yeah, it's it's got to be pretty rewarding to hear um, people writing to you saying that they realize that their self-worth and uh, their value is just so important to be able to find that happiness or find that um, relationship. And that, that kind of leads us into our topic today, which we're going to be talking about dating and online dating. But before we get into that, we, we want to start with, um, you mentioned just how important being, um, knowing your self-worth and your value and being happy with yourself is, is, you know, is vital to be able to have a successful and happy relationship. So can you maybe talk a little bit about that on the importance of that for our listeners? Absolutely. So 
nobody would say that it's a good idea to go running a marathon without first preparing for it. And so if you're out of shape, running a marathon is a terrible idea. Maybe the worst idea you've ever had. I mean, hey, maybe somebody will be impressed that you did it. Wow, wild and crazy thing. But, you know, in the end, it's probably not the best thing for your knees and, your, and the rest of your body. So everybody agrees that you go and you train and you become fit. And yet when it comes to relationships, which most people hope will last, you know, 10 years, 20 years, maybe even a lifetime, people are not applying the same standard. They're just totally not prepared to dive into this long-term union with another human being. And a big part of the preparation is knowing who you are and what you want and what makes you happy and also developing a kind of baseline equanimity and peace with yourself. Because if you don't have peace and equanimity with yourself and you think that somehow somebody else's issues brought into your life permanently is going to fix yours, that is not a solution for long-term health and happiness and well-being. So take care of your own house first. And uh, the key thing, and in, in the books I talk about practical spirituality, and sometimes this stuff can get a little esoteric, you know, people use a lot of Sanskrit terms and Chinese terms, but practical spirituality is all about doing that training for your own mind and your own brain such that you become that source of peace and equanimity such that you can radiate that into your life and bring that quality to your relationships. If you prefer drama every day, okay, uh, that's whatever floats your boat. But I'm guessing that in the end, what people want in the long run is some measure of peace and equanimity, equanimity and joy in their lives. So practical spirituality just means, hey, start training your brain. Meditate, start you know, five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, uh, bring it up to 20 minutes a day. You get to know your own mind, get to this kind of step back from all the feelings and all the thoughts and all the various internal voices saying you're this, you're that, you're not good enough, you're too good, all this stuff. And come from a place of, hey, look, there's that sound in my head. Isn't that interesting? As opposed to taking it to heart. And, you know, sometimes the voice says, you know, you're not good enough. And, well, who is that voice? How can that voice possibly know? And a big part of coming into a relationship strong and healthy is, is knowing who you really are. I mean, are you just a bunch of names and titles and roles? You know, are you some employee? Are you somebody's brother, sister? Are you some citizen of some country or are you something much bigger than that? Are you this thing that's made up from the heart of a supernova that blew up in outer space and created all these elements and you're kind of assembled from that? You know, basically you're made of stardust. Are you uh, just some schmo walking down the street or are you one single cell that divided into Two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, one, twenty-eight, two, fifty-six, all the way to you know forty trillion, and you're walking around, breathing, hearts beating, crossing streets without getting run over. This is pretty amazing, right? I mean, everybody that's walking on this earth is a miracle, and if you were to acknowledge yourself as that living miracle, then something remarkable happens, which is that yes, you will feel great about yourself and appreciate the miracle that you are. You will also appreciate other people as miracles, and then if everybody kind of thought that way. There'd be so much more peace, love, and harmony in the world. Couldn't even count it. But start with you and then convey that to other people. And that way you're starting from this baseline of deep appreciation for every moment that you're living and all the other stuff 
starts to be a little less significant. That is a beautiful framework to bring into one's life. And, and the underlying point being that if you don't have yourself together, if you don't have some peace and equanimity, then you should not be looking to get that from someone else. So if you're going Absolutely. out to date, and then, but even to our listeners that are in a relationship, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to, if there's a problem or if we're unhappy in the relationship, we look to our partner to make the change that, that we want to see. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. When the reality is, is we need to look within and, and get ourselves straight. And it's just, uh, you said it beautifully of getting that perspective, you know, and, and for everyone that, that practical spirituality might be different, but I love, I love your, your reference of the cosmos and, and getting that perspective of the miracle that we all are all these amazing things had to happen to to be here today um as a as a human race so so definitely uh well well said and and that'll give someone some perspective as as they go into a dating life or they go into the relationship now from a practical standpoint um someone out there is this is resonating with them and and they're like yeah i want to i want to take these steps is it just you know meditating like you mentioned just being introspective how can they they kickstart this process well people know that fitness is a good thing people know that uh, it's better to be able to go up a flight of stairs and not get winded than it is to be disabled and kind of be this big ball of pudge and not be able to do anything and not be able to move. Fitness is good. So when people meditate or take on some kind of contemplative practice, they're basically training their brains to become fit. So, and if, if they're not doing anything like that, then their brain's going to be flabby. That's all there is to it. So unless you exercise, you'll be out of shape. Unless you meditate, your brain will be out of shape. So uh, there's any number of meditative practices people can take up, but it can be just as simple as closing your eyes for two minutes, just two minutes, and sit down and notice your breath. That's it. Just pay attention to the breath. And uh, the meditation that I've been doing for, for many years that's worked for me is called the Hung Sa meditation. And basically it's, you pay attention to your breath, so you just feel the sensation of air coming in through your nose, and you at the same time are saying hung when you breathe in, saw when you breathe out, silently on the inside, and you're also paying attention to the point in between your eyebrows, which in some traditions they call the third eye center. So if you do those three things, you can't think. I mean, thoughts, there's just no room for thought. They're gone. So if you forget to do those three things, thought will come in again. So you just go back to those three things. And if you do that for just two minutes, you'll just realize, whoa, everything just kind of really calmed down. It's really simple to do, requires no equipment. And you just do it for a minute or two. And then when it feels good, you'll want to do it some more. So that for me has been transformative. And I totally hear it if people say, look, meditation is not for me. Look, I was the most fidgety scatterbrained person ever. It took me at least a decade to get started. So I encourage you to be a little more diligent than me, maybe take six months and then get started, or maybe just two months, or maybe just do it today. But a minute, anybody can spare a minute. People are noodling on Facebook you know, for 20, 30, 40 minutes a day. A fraction of that a day changes your entire life. And it's safe to say that my meditation practice is the single biggest uh, boon, single biggest change in my behavior that's, that's, that's ever been affected by any one practice. 
I like that. Uh, it's called the Hum Sun. Is, is that? Uh, it's, they call different things in different traditions, but okay. uh, Hung Sa, so H-O-N-G-S-A-U, uh, okay. in some of the traditions, Hum, H-U-M. What you actually say on the inside doesn't matter. You can say calm now. You can say uh, um now. Anything you want. The idea is that you have some some sound that you're focusing on the inside that you're saying as you inhale and exhale, and you're focusing your eyes up there. You're also paying attention to the breath. So you do those three things. Basically, all of your mental faculties are already engaged, and that allows you to get rid of uh, thoughts. And then the practice of meditation is not about not having thoughts at all, such that if you have a thought, it's like, oh, no, I'm a terrible person. I just have a thought while meditating. No, no. Your brain's designed to have thoughts. If you're not having any thoughts at all, that means you're dead. That's, that's no good. That's a bad start to the party. What you want is to practice dismissing thoughts. Meditating is the practice of dismissing thoughts. You notice that they're coming in because before you thought they were you. Now you're noticing them. You're like, oh, that thing just came in out of nowhere. That's kind of wild. And then you let it go. And you keep on letting it go. And you do that letting go 100 times a day, you know, 10,000 times a month. Guess what? You get good at it. So next time somebody says, hey, you're a jerk, you're like, hmm, am I a jerk? Huh, that's interesting. And notice that reaction in my body. That's funny how I felt that. And then you just move on. It doesn't bug you because you've gotten used to letting go of thoughts and emotions that came from the outside that weren't yours to begin with. It's a great practice, uh, meditation, and, and one that Sarah and I try to do more more often but i i like this this hum sun and then focusing because i i think that that kind of forces you a little bit into that uh less wandering of the mind and and we talk a lot about mindfulness on this podcast and in how it can be like we're talking about in relation to to dating and to knowing yourself but in a relationship rather than reacting uh, to something your partner says, you can respond and you can respond with mindfulness and, and pause and, and not letting the emotions get the best of you. So it's certainly a good thing to do no matter where you're at, uh, single, dating, or, or married. Um, and one, you know, that can continue for a lifetime. Going back to, to this self development and, and we talked about before we go into the dating scene, you know, getting this peace of mind. One of the things, certainly, like, hopefully we're never a fully developed person because I feel like we always want to be learning and I'm I'm definitely a different person than I was last year or even last month. But we, we want to have this introspection and get ourselves together before we go on the dating scene. What would you tell someone, like like Sarah and I, we've been together for, for nine years and we're very different people and by no means were we perfect when we got together. I don't think we were, we were looking to complete each other. So that's good. I wasn't looking to Sarah, but where's like that balance between finding someone and, and being okay with yourself and saying, okay, we can move forward together or, or you're dating and, and it's just like, look, you got to get your shit together <laughs> before you even try to, to find uh, someone to settle down with. How, how can someone recognize that? That's a, that's a great question and one that uh, will always be in the process of answering. And people, we're all works in progress. There's no point of perfection. So, yeah, I mean, when in, in, in computer science or in, in various other disciplines, they talk about the explore versus exploit uh, dichotomy. So when you stop 
completing yourself or looking and when do you just say, okay, now we just go for it. Now we just kind of settle down with this choice and move forward with it. And uh, my, my general rubric would be, look, people grow faster with, within the context of a good relationship than they do alone. So basically you got to figure out what's your whole point of being on this planet earth and what's, what's the point of life. And one version of it is that, look, you're here to give your gift and you can develop that gift either on your own or with somebody else. If you are somebody who is not a good fit, who diminishes your ability of that gift, guess what? You're going to grow less slowly. If you were somebody who enhances the gift, who's a catalyst for your growth, then you can give that gift better, right? So you have to be a judge of who is going to be the kind of person who is going to be a catalyst to your growth and who's going to be a person who's going to be an impediment to your growth. So, and if you were to bring that down to the most nitty gritty single criterion, you would say, you would ask yourself, does this person, does the presence of this person bring more energy to my life or less energy to my life? And is it a positive energy or a negative energy? And you just know, people know these things. If you ask, does so-and-so bring more energy? Does this person an energy ad or an energy vampire? Boom, they know immediately. And also you're walking down the street, down the street with someone. Are you now a better version of yourself in this person's presence or a worse version? Are you snarkier? Are you meaner? Are you kind of more dismissive? Are you quicker to judge or... Are you kinder, gentler, more expansive, more inclusive version of yourself? So people don't ask themselves these questions. They just kind of look at the thing in front of them. And you know, the great book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, talks about this a lot. So that's the work of uh, Danny Kahneman and kind of uh, behavioral economics. And he, he, one of the big mottos of behavioral economics is most people operate on the what you see is all there is principle. They just look at the thing in front of them and they try to make that work as opposed to think of a much bigger picture of what's possible and going for that. So they have some relationship like, oh, this person, I'm going to make this work as opposed to thinking, hey, look, there's like 10 million other people I could potentially be with who might be a bigger catalyst to my growth. I don't have to worry about all this petty stuff that this person keeps on bringing up and, and brings me down and makes me feel small. So uh, in the end, I would say, does this person add energy or subtract energy from your life? And do you feel like a better version or a worse version of yourself? And if so, regardless of age, go for it. And, you know, no relationship was meant to last forever. Nothing in the universe lasts forever. Even the whole universe thing is supposed to come down in, I don't know, 500 billion years and some kind of heat death. So uh, everything is temporary. So rejoice what you have right now. Grow together. Have fun with it. And when it stops being fun, reconsider. There are so many great little nuggets in here. I really love this uh, perspective that you're that you're having uh, because certainly our single listeners or someone dating, if they're not asking themselves these questions, hopefully they are now. And and yeah, it, you started off with with saying how the the beauty of relationships is it's it's a mirror onto ourself and and it's going to help you grow as a person but if it's not that's a that's a good warning sign if if you're dating someone and and you're not feeling that like get the heck out of there but if you're with someone yeah. and you're like yeah this is amazing they bring out the best version of me and i think that's why sarah and i are still together and and it feels so easy a lot of times there's certainly 
hard times and, and we have to work those out. And that's, that's why we started this podcast. But for, yeah. the, for the most part, I feel like I, I can't even think of a time that she has held me back or, or like as a, as a person. And, and then we can always be more encouraging too. And, and we actually did a, a podcast last week where we talked about uh, creating a um, a best self name for your partner, and I we really mm. like that because it, you know we we have these endearing names for for each other that are usually um, in, in like their pet sweet names, yeah, pet yeah. names. But this best self name was like an empowering name. So everything you're saying is resonating with me with the energy as as empowerment. So do you feel empowered by your partner? Um, there you and, go. And I think intuitively we like you said, we know this, it's not, it kind of sounds like this abstract thing. Like you're talking energy. It's like, well, what is, it's like, you know, like it, if you were honest with yourself, if you're introspective, you know, and, and it's just a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Empowered. Sounds great. That encompasses both the positive energy flow and the nature of it, which is, you know, growth positive. So that's fantastic. And, and if we make it a little, a little serious at this moment, I just want to, um, mentioned that one of the main reasons I wrote the Dow dating book for women was because I became aware of there being so many good women in bad relationships. And, you know, it, it all came out of a friend of mine's story where here's this woman, she was a classmate of mine at Harvard, just really smart, beautiful, successful. And, uh, she's supporting her, her boyfriend who's a starving artist. And that boyfriend was beating her up for the duration of the 18 month relationship. And to me, that was unimaginable that somebody this great, this kind, this sweet, and this successful was stuck. So what I realized was it's tough. It's difficult once you're in these situations to extricate yourself, to actually see the situation for what it is like, Oh, but you know, but he's my husband, but he's my boyfriend, but I love him. I mean, that's what she said. She said, Oh, but I love him. And the sex is so great. And what you have to realize is that there are these chemical dependencies that are created when you spend a lot of time with someone and have a bunch of orgasms with him or her and you become attached in that way. And that has absolutely nothing to do with whether that person is good for you or not. So it takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of willpower, takes a lot of courage to snap out of that. And a lot of this also comes out of I mean, the way we were raised as children. And that's when your love template is set. That's how your attachment patterns are set. So if you had a parent who wasn't at as attentive as they could have been, and you had some kind of insecure type of attachment to that parent, then for the rest of your life, you're going to go find, you're going to go find people who treat you just as poorly because that fits your love template. So there's a lot of internal healing that has to happen before people are ready for a good relationship. Sometimes some people deep down unconsciously, sometimes they don't want that good relationship. So it's important to realize that and realize that, Hey, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. And you know, you find that through, um, through people who do this kind of thing professionally, professional help, through meditation, uh, through yoga, really changing your neurology and coming to the point of being truly deserving of the love that the world is trying to offer you, as opposed to some half-assed and uh, poisoned version of it. It's a truly terrible situation when someone is in a relationship that is either holding back their personal growth or abusive, of course, or, and 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 just not as happy as they could be. Now, it's not to say like, okay, you're in an okay relationship and you hit some bumps in the road and all right, you got to get out of there. But like the situation you mentioned with your friend, that's something 
that that is uh, terribly sad, but it, it can be corrected. And, but it's hard, like you said, with these chemical dependencies. Besides seeking uh, therapy and and having some sort of realization, how can someone like snap themselves out of it? Or how can a friend who sees their friend in this situation, how can they help break that uh, pattern? But before we continue, we want to tell you about today's sponsor. If only Grove Collaborative existed when we had our daughter Stella about three years ago, it would have saved me a huge headache. Like we shared in last episode, we are very conscious parents, and that's why we it was an easy choice that we didn't want Stella to come into contact with toxic chemicals that are often found in house cleaning products and toiletries and stuff like that. But not in Grove's. (laughs) Yeah, not in Grove. And that's why we're so excited to be working with them. If you don't know Grove already, then you should. Grove sells only the best non-toxic products. So when I shop on their website, I'm confident that I'm selecting items that are not only good for me and my family, but also the planet. So now that we are Grove VIP members, (laughs) we are finding that it is super easy to order what we want and it's not expensive and all thanks to the Grove Collaborative platform. And not only does it have brands that we already trusted like Burt's Bees, I love their chapstick, my lips are like constantly chapped (laughs) because I'm always in the sun, but also seventh generation and everything they sell is vetted to be the best all natural products around. I'm currently obsessed with the glass cleaner because Stella loves wiping her dirty, sticky hands all over our sliding glass window. So I'm constantly cleaning them. And I hate the idea of spraying harsh chemicals to clean them and then touch them with my skin. So Grove allows me to clean them knowing that we're all going to be safe. So it's a win-win. And I'm also loving the lavender scent of their Miss Meyer soap. It is to die for. And it makes my house smell so amazing like a spa. So if you haven't tried Grove already, then you need to today. Our listeners who sign up get an amazing 30-day Miss Myers gift set and a free 60-day VIP membership when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. So check out Grove for our special offer at grove.co forward slash I do. That's grove.co not com slash I do. Today's episode is also sponsored by FabFit. Fun. If you haven't heard of FabFitFun, that's hard to say. FabFitFun. <laughs> I was going to say, can you say that three times in a row? <laughs> probably not. It's a seasonal subscription box that is full of beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. I especially like the beauty part. The box retails for only $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. And not only is it full of those items, they are full-sized items. So you're not getting any trial sizes of all the awesome products that they send you. And We just got our summer season box and I am more excited than I was before I got it because I was pretty excited before I was like, (laughs) I was looking at YouTube videos, looking at all the past season boxes. And so I am definitely super excited for this summer box. We got a new full size beach towel by Summer and Rose. So cute. There's Tarte beauty products. And there's also a Pier 1 marble dish ring for your, you know, you put your ring on at night which I love. So cute. And the summer box is available now and they will sell out. They do not last 
the whole season. So if you want to grab your box, your summer box today, go to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do and you'll get $10 off your box. So it's only going to be $39.99. So again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the promo code I do. You know, it's tough. I, I'm a professional behavioral change specialist. And even then it's challenging to get people to snap out of it. And there's a saying in Zen, it says, when the student is ready, the master will appear. So people have to get to that point themselves. Otherwise, change is not going to happen. That said, are there ways to accelerate it? Can friends be influential and maybe encourage? Yes, but you can't actually get them to that point unless they want to themselves. And sometimes, you know, what that takes is, you know, many breakups, a lot of pain re- reaching that, that point. But one thing that I found does tend to accelerate the process of change is realizing this whole idea of whole idea of giving your gift to the world. Because if it's about yourself, you're only so motivated to change. You're only so motivated to get out of the relationship and you're thinking, oh well, you know, but Bobby Brown's my husband. I still have to help his you know, his his drunk, philandering and druggy ass, which, you know, leads to Whitney Houston not being with us anymore. And that's very sad. We don't want that. So Uh, One thing that I found is to reframe it as, look, this isn't just about you. You are doing the whole world a disservice by staying with this person because the world needs your gift and the world needs to see the full flourishing of that gift. And if you're spending 95% of your energy trying to struggle with this person in your relationship, then you're actually being tremendously selfish and that's terrible. And uh, another way of uh, actually getting people to listen is to make it about their kids. Because kids aren't necessarily learning what you're teaching them didactically. They're, they're learning your behavior. You never taught them the English language. They just picked it up from listening to you. And they're also picking up all of your behaviors and everything else that you're doing. So to this friend of mine, I said, look, what you're doing right now, your kids are observing, right? And what you're implicitly teaching them is that, look, it's okay to be in this abusive relationship and be underappreciated and beat up and... Um, and, and being possessive. And so in 20 years, they're going to be in a relationship just like this. Somebody's going to beat them up and it's going to be your fault because that's what you taught them. And that kind of snapped her out of it. So, you know, think what would my future kid think of this? And is this what I want to teach my future or current children? And sometimes that helps people take a bigger frame, look at the thing as in, look, it's not just about you when you sacrifice yourself you're actually damaging a whole bunch of people all around you because we're nodes in the network. If it weren't for the network, we wouldn't exist. So everything that we do has reverberations beyond our, our little selves. So think about the bigger picture and how, uh, how much you would be giving to the world if you were in a much better situation and how much is it now subtracting for the world from the world by being in this not so great situation. And perhaps that will be some kind of drive to, to uh, change, the situa- change the situation. It's so true because we don't, you know, cuss in front of our kids or, you know, do say things we don't want them to hear. So why would treating people or our relationships, why would it be any different? So um, I love that, especially because we have a two-year-old. And so we're, you know, very conscious uh, about what we say to each other in front of our daughter. So I think um, that's a great reminder for us and then for our listeners as well. Yeah. And one of my teachers always says, 
it takes a child to raise a village. And the idea is that when you have that child in your mind, it's like, what am I teaching this kid? Then that encourages you, encourages you to be the best version of yourself. It's a, it's a great way to, to go through life. And even if you're not a parent, and certainly if you are a parent, pay, pay it, hopefully naturally you'll pay more attention, but we can always snap, snap in out of it. And, uh, like actually yesterday I was outside and I was swatting mosquitoes and then our daughter suddenly is swatting the air and I, she's just <laughs> mimicking me. So they, they're paying attention and, and, uh, yeah, it's really cute. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, you've given us some great stuff as far as being introspective, getting our stuff together. Now, how do we go out into the world, someone that's single or someone that's dating that can't find the right person? How can they attract, certainly if they, they're going to attract a better person if they have their shit together, but how can they, maybe through online dating, how can they find or right. select for the right person? Right. So the most important thing you want when you're out dating is accurate information. So the whole point of going out with someone and courtship is to assess this person's suitability as a potential match. And for that, you need accurate information. And the most accurate information you can possibly get is watching what they do. It's not what they say, not what their friends say. It's watching what they do and specifically how you feel in that person's presence. So the issue with online dating, which is one of the easiest ways of getting uh, people to find partners these days just because of the convenience of the gizmos and all the algorithms built into them. The problem with that is that you're just not getting accurate information. In fact, the whole medium is predisposed to giving inaccurate information. Uh, moreover, the information that you are getting right up front is often totally irrelevant to the success of your relationship. I mean, you go on there and you're looking, the first thing you see is age and height. How many times have you actually asked somebody's age and height when you meet them? Pretty much never, right? And how relevant is it? You know, unless this person's like 30, 40 years older than you, it's not that relevant to whether you two get along and actually connect. You don't want, you know, you want to be within a certain reasonable range, but that stuff doesn't matter. Age, height, weight, who cares? None of this stuff matters, right? And the education level, all of this stuff, and then writing. There's no point in the history of human evolution in which the first thing you see find out about somebody else is their writing. And that can be faked. There are people who are hired to write those profiles. So what you want is accurate information. Now, if you can find somebody online who's a potential match and then meet them in person as quickly as possible, cool. However, even so, what you're doing is you're meeting people who are completely outside of your network. That's kind of the point of online dating. It's somebody who you would not otherwise meet. Well, what that does is that predisposes to weird behavior. And you know, especially guys these days, but women too, you know, they, if they can get away with something, they will. And you have no way of validating what they're, what they're all about. And there's no recourse. And it's not like they're beholden to friends, family, and coworkers to behave well. So what you get is a lot of weird behavior. And what this does is, in a sense, just be very disheartening for people. And people are flaky. They don't write back. They don't show up. So what you want to do is, what I recommend to people is that, look, do it the way evolution intended you to do it, which is meet people face-to-face. -face. Because when you do, there's this flood of millions of bits of information about the suitability of this person for you 
as a match. You're seeing their complexion. That's all about, is this person healthy and do they take good care of themselves? You're seeing what they actually look like as opposed to some cut off, modified airbrush version of themselves. And that's all about health and vigor, which is what leads to successful reproduction of and perpetuation of the human race. You're seeing, you're hearing their, her, his or her turn of, tone of voice. Um, you are noticing how they behave with respect to the wait staff. Are they nice? Or are they mean? You're noticing how they respond to your friends and how they interact with other people. You're noticing you know, how they walk, how they talk. All these things are giving essential information for compatibility that are operating at these deep unconscious levels that you and I may never even know about. And yet all that information is kind of obliterated online. So get people, meet people in person first, if at all possible. Meet them through friends, meet them through family, meet them through coworkers or at work. And really courtship was meant to be this much longer term thing than the 0.3 seconds it takes to swipe somebody. I mean, the attention spans are so, so short these days that people forget. And there's another issue with the online dating, which is that it becomes a tournament. and uh, if you know that you can swipe 10 more and find somebody who is better looking or richer, you're going to go for that. The issue is so are the 100,000 people right before you. And so everybody's piling onto those three tournament winners. All the other people are not getting any, uh, any attention at all. And as a man who has experimented with these things for several months, just to find the data and prove it to myself that this doesn't work, uh, in person, um, I get blown off pretty much 0% of the time. Online, I get blown off 99.5% of the time. So one out of 200, as opposed to 100%. So um, for women, it's going to be a little different. They're going to receive a lot more attention online, especially if they're attractive. And then they have this big pile of stuff to go through, which is uh, how do you do that? And how many of these potentially great guys are you dismissing based on totally superficial criteria? So the paradox of choice is the more choice we have, the more we're going to feel afterwards because A, the choosing is going to be a hard work and B, you're going to second guess yourself afterwards like, oh, but I took this guy. How about the other 70, right? So limiting choice actually leads to more happiness. The thing that leads to happiness is commitment and making the pool smaller because in the end, all you need is one good one. You don't need 10,000 matches, 10,000 likes or any of this stuff which feeds into the ego, which in the end just makes you uh, less pleased with your own life and yourself. These are all great points that you bring up. And it's like the answer to online dating is to go old fashioned. And, and it's certainly a, a great way to, to connect and, and network. But then rather than exchanging a million messages, it's like meet in person as soon as possible. And yeah, the nonverbal cues that were even, you know, when you're talking to them, are they looking you in the eye? Uh, there's so many nonverbal things that you're probably not even aware of, but that your body is picking up on. Um, and it, it, I can't imagine Sarah and I met, there was certainly online dating, but the Tinder and, and none of these apps were around. And, and it's just a whole different monster these days. And, and I think it can drive you crazy, really. And, and to, like you said, reduce complexity, uh, limit your choices a little bit. It might be hard. You might feel like you're missing out, but you're not. You'll, you know, you might meet someone the old fashioned way through a friend of a friend. And, and oftentimes uh, that that's probably a, a safer bet. So are there any other, uh, you just gave us so many great things with online dating. Are there any 
other things to, and we, we talked about, like, if you're not feeling that energy, then, then you probably listen to your intuition, but. Right. Well, one, one thing I want to emphasize uh-huh. is take time with every person. So unless that person immediately does not meet your criteria. So there's a deal breaker already there, for example, married or way too tall, or I don't know, whatever, something, something that you just know is not going to fly. Okay. If you have any attraction whatsoever, if there's anything that you can potentially like about this person, go on at least three meetings, hang out for at least three different occasions, because the first meeting is never representative of anybody, right? They're sending like some decoy over there to meet your decoy. And, and who knows, uh, you don't really get to what, what a person's really like. So take your time in courtship, get to know people. And I, I'm saying this, just hoping that it'll land somewhere because it's almost impossible because people meet for one, you know, for one coffee and they totally hit off and it's great. And then, you know, texting kind of falls off a week later, nobody cares. Like who was this person anyway? So one meeting, if it didn't immediately evoke butterflies and, and flying to Paris and eloping, then it's over. And that's just not the way things work. That's um, real courtship takes time. Getting to know people takes time. And also have a protocol, have a way of sussing out what this person is all about. For example, one really good question, especially if you're a woman and you want to make sure that you're not dealing with a sociopath, a psychopath, is you ask that person, hey, when's the last time that moment of, Real embarrassment, right? What was something embarrassing that really happened, right? Once you get rapport and once you're in a deep conversation, so you can ask questions like, hey, what was a really embarrassing moment for you? And then watch. Watch what they do. Because if they are actually capable of feeling embarrassment, if they're a warm and empathetic person, you will see it in their face. You will see it in their body. They'll kind of, you know, crumple a little bit and their face will go like, ooh, you know, and then they'll tell you a story and it'll be real. Whereas a sociopath cannot do that. Sociopaths and psychopaths, they can't do that. They don't feel embarrassment. And so you have these people like Ted Bundy who are always like, oh, yeah, what a great guy. Who in the meantime, are like murdering people uh, in, by the dozens. So it's really important to be able to suss out the kind of person you deal with. And, you know, that's a way to find out if this person is capable of empathy, is a warm person. What's the nicest thing you've ever done for somebody? Right? Asking questions like that really brings out the important stuff. Is this person kind? Is this person empathetic? Does this person have the wiring to actually be a good companion slash father or whatever? So uh, get savvy. Women already know how to do this stuff. You just have to connect into that. And instead of worrying about, is my hair right? You want to worry about the person in front of you and say, what kind of person is this? You want to get as much accurate information about their suitability as a date, as, as a companion as possible. And you do that by asking good questions. When do you think's the best time to ask those questions? Like the second date, the third date? You know, uh, I say have fun with it. And one way to do it is there's, there are these 36 questions developed by Arthur Aaron, and they're great. And they've done this experimentally, and you got total strangers. They ask these 36 questions from each other, and later on, they're best friends for life. It's crazy. It's because these questions get deep into what a person's really like. And you can ask them anytime you want. You can say, hey, you want to play this 36 questions game? And you know, the first one, first question, something along the lines of, if you could invite any three people to a dinner party, who would they be and why? Right? And then they'll tell you because the, pre- the people that you invite to the dinner party are people whom you admire and respect. And the people whom you admire and respect reflect a lot about what your values are in life. So now you know a lot more about this person than you would just by talking about, say, the last movie they watched or something, right? So 
those thesis questions are great, and you know I don't see any reason why you should take time to read. As long as you are able to introduce them in a way that's kind of in the flow of the conversation, it doesn't have to be all 36. You can do like 10 of them. Uh, you can do ask four of them, whatever. It's just fun. And sometimes you don't even get through the first 10 because you're having such a great conversation. And that's another thing that's been lost, which is the art of conversation. People are sending these texts that are just a couple hundred letters long. And if it's longer than that, then it's weird, man. And conversation is a lot longer than a couple of hundred characters. And uh, get into the art of conversation, get into deep questions. Don't be afraid of, of finding out what this person in front of you is all about. And obviously, by the second and third date, you can get into even deeper stuff. Uh, however, what develops rapport is the willingness to ask these questions. So you get it by going deep. And, and you'd be surprised. Most people respond quite positively to that kind of thing. As long as it's not some probing thing as in, do you have any genetic diseases or how much money do you make, then I think you're good. Uh, but who would you invite to a dinner party and why? You know, that's, a, that's a pretty pretty simple yet revealing question. I love just those questions you mentioned uh, because, yeah, it's like it's like it's cutting through the small talk too. And it's like, let's talk about some real stuff. And, and those are great. And for sussing out what kind of person that is, like how big is their ego? If you can't talk about an embarrassing moment, then uh, yeah, you might be a little bit of a sociopath or, or just your ego is so inflated and, and you want to just not bring it down. So, and even for people that are in a happy relationship, I think these are great questions to kind of ask. And, and you're, you're so right. The art of conversation is getting lost more and more and, and commenting on Instagram and Facebook, that's not conversation. And I think that's replacing it. So, uh, it's definitely, uh, I mean, you and I are from a different generation than these kids coming up, you know, 14 year olds who are raised on Instagram and Facebook, but they literally can talk to each other. You put them in a group, and they get on their phones, they start texting each other, even though they're, they're sitting a foot away from each other. It's, it's scary. It's terrifying. And so the people who are not that young, I say, yo, talk to each other, talk about interesting things, make it fun. And, you know, and it could be something, it could be goofy. You just say, look, if you, here's a question that apparently does well in speed dating. You ask them, if you could be any pizza topping, what would you be? Right. And it's fun. It's funny. And it's revealing because they're going to say something and then they're going to reveal why. And that says something about what that, who that person is. So get creative with it, have fun with it. And that's how you make dating fun again, as opposed to some extended uh, root canal of the soul, which you have to pay for. And uh, most people are like, Oh, dating is so terrible. Dating's the worst. Why? It's a, it could be a process of discovery of another person and yourself and, and make it a ball. I'm going to ask Sarah what, what topping she would be on our next date night. <laughs> Pepperoni. I don't know why. It just came out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Because you're so spicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <it's> substantial. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Ali, thank you so much for coming on the show and we'll have to have you back. You've given us and our listeners just a ton of great knowledge and information. Very practical that, that, if you're single, you'll be able to apply, but Sarah and I are going to be able to use a lot of this as well. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and find your book, and then we'll say goodbye. Absolutely. So the website is taoofdating.com. That's T-A-O of dating.com. And if you go there, 
you will see a bunch of articles and on the right hand side there's a place where you can sign up and get a free audiobook 45 minutes of uh, the best tips from my books as chosen by the readers and you can find my books on Amazon so just look up how the tower of dating the smart ones guide being absolutely irresistible and uh, you know you can also write me I'm happy to receive your questions and do my best to answer all of them. So I'm Dr. Ali B at TowelDating.com. That's D-R-A-L-I-B at TowelDating.com. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll have all those links on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And our listeners know to go there to check out all your great resources from this interview. So again, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. And we welcome you back anytime. Fantastic. Thanks for making this happen. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. For more information and the links um, from the interview today, you can head on over to our website at idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab and it will be the first episode there. And while you're on our website, if you are interested in learning more information about our upcoming Hood River Couples Retreat, then click on the Retreat tab and you'll be able to find all the information on the retreat. It's going to be at the end of July this summer and we look forward to it um, with you guys. It's going to be an awesome couple days in Hood River. It's amazing there. So we hope you join us. And if you are on our website and you're looking for some resources or some tools for your relationship, we really encourage you to check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. It's a free challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days. And in each email is a doable challenge for that day to do within your relationship. And it's going to help you become stronger, more connected, more intimate. And uh, we know that you're going to enjoy it. We've had some great feedback from all you guys who have done it and uh, we're so happy that it has helped you in your relationship so again all that information is on our website at idopodcast.com head on over there and thanks so much for listening have a great day listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com